Today with Catherine Ruinala. I, I just have been getting so excited by the Word of God. It's so important for us to learn what it looks like to develop daily habits of reading the Word of God. It's, I like to read in the morning and in the nighttime. Uh, and whatever your habit is, so make it regular, make it every day. Because as you learn and develop some of these pillars in your life, we've got a few pillars in our life from when we first married 30 years ago now. Uh, um, when we married, we had, some, we had pillars in our life that, okay, these are a few basics that are just immovable basics. We go to church. That's it, you know, because sometimes people get married and then they're like, oh, we're too busy planting the garden and we're doing this. No, we go to church each week is one of the pillars that we have because the Bible says don't forsake the fellowshipping of yourselves together. Uh, we tithe. That's just something we've always wanted, uh, believed in doing and we do that every week. Uh, and, and we never use the D word, divorce, because there's no option there. So you make it work. Hallelujah. And it gets better and better. And there's a few things that we have daily disciplines in our life and just basic disciplines of what Christian life looks like. We don't get drunk because the Bible says don't be drunk with wine. Hallelujah. So we've never been drunk. And that's a good thing. And you might seem think this is too basic, but sometimes believers don't don't understand that with the love and the grace of God, we've been empowered to follow him and to follow his example. Hallelujah. And so I just want to encourage you to remember that we get to be followers of Jesus. Hallelujah. We get to be examples of selfless love. We get to love one another. It's not, you know, this is the joy, the, the world would talk about it as the season of giving. Well, we get to exemplify that because we have been given the greatest treasure and we get to give, we get to love, we get to, to serve one another and to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Well, if you would turn in your Bibles with me, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 33. We've been talking recently about Isaiah 22, 22 the key of David, that as we um, look at the life of David, we, it's very clear that the key of David is that David loved God. And this key that's talked about both in Isaiah and in Revelation opens doors that no one else could open and that no man can shut and closes doors that no man can open. And this key is, is given to those who, who have the key of David, which is that special key of relationship with God, of a personal relationship where they love God. Where, and, and this, for me, has become more and more clear as I've recognized the call of God. I, I believe that as we have experienced an outpouring over the last 20-plus years of the revelation of the Father heart of God, God is bringing something new. There's a fresh emphasis, I believe, 
on returning that love to him, on intentionally recognizing the blessing that we get to be to God by loving him, that the key of David is us loving him. I've become more conscious of it as the Holy Spirit is being poured out and we're experiencing more and more of his glory. I'm being provoked more and more to minister to the Lord in love, to to love on him intentionally because this is what his heart seeks. We read about it in Hosea and the heart of the Father longing that you would have mercy on him and give him what he longs for, and that is your loyalty, your love. Hallelujah. And so as we've been looking at that, I was thinking also about... um, As I've been reading through the Psalms, I was reading Psalm 91 this morning. I'm doing a a slow walk through the Psalms, trying to take and and extract all the goodness I can out of every Psalm and not go too quickly. And I was reading Psalm 91 this morning, and that's a Psalm actually written by Moses. And so I started to have a look at the life of Moses. Let's have a look here in chapter 33. Now, those of you who know the story, remember my kids had watched The Prince of Egypt when they were kids. Anybody see that? Great animated film. And um, it's just a story about the life of Moses. And Moses had an extraordinary life. He was rescued by the Lord when all the children were being slaughtered. Uh, His mother, because there was no other option, put him in a basket and sovereignly, The Lord brought him into Pharaoh's household. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and raised as as one of Pharaoh's sons. And and then uh, he ended up killing an Egyptian who was mistreating an Israelite because the Israelites were slaves. And he ran away into the wilderness where he hid away for uh, years and years and years. And then... um, Then he had an encounter with a burning bush one day out there in the field. I mean, he's in his 70, I think, by then. So never say that you're too old to be used by God. It didn't even start for Moses until he was 70. And um, he had an encounter. And it was the Lord speaking out of a burning bush that that wasn't being consumed. The Lord said, just take your sandals off. This is holy ground. (laughs) And I am that I am speaking to Moses and commissioning him uh, to bring deliverance to the Israelites. An amazing, amazing story. Hallelujah. I prefer being without shoes. But anyway, I'll put them on. And and so Moses has this this amazing story, and you can read uh, through the Bible about the story of the Exodus, how they um, were brought out of Egypt, and uh, Moses led them. So let's have a look here in chapter 33. So the Israelites are all out in the wilderness. Verse 7, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, 
the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. They were led with a pillar of cloud by day, a a fire by night, and this pillar of cloud would actually physically descend as he went into the tent of meeting. Wow, so holy. And he would have conversation personally with God. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to a friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. This tent of meeting really struck me. You know, God wants you and I to have our own tent of meeting where we meet with God. And as as I look at that and I see the relationship Moses had with the Lord and reading Psalm 91 this morning, this beautiful psalm that was written by Moses, I wanted to read it to you. Let's, let's have a look at it if you want to turn with me. I love this psalm so much. I recorded it years ago uh, just with music because I wanted to memorize this psalm. It's so full of the promises of God. And uh, so let's begin here at the beginning. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Can you picture Moses? He actually literally was covered with the pillar of cloud. He knew what he was talking about here. He, and he's, this is a promise for us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may find may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, or of the arrow that flies by day, or of the pestilence that stalks in darkness. These are things you can claim. Hallelujah. These are part of that the, the promises you can claim, like tent pegs that are uh, the covering of God, the blessing of God of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Now have a look here in verse 14. There's quotation marks because God takes over the conversation at this point and God speaks now. This is God speaking. Because he has loved me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Hallelujah. This is the sort of conversation 
that God wants to have with us. We're talking to him, we're making declarations, and then God begins to speak. But what struck me this morning was as I was reading verse 14, because he has loved me. It's the key of David. Love, you loving God is the highest success, is your purpose in life. Now, David didn't, it wasn't because David lived a perfect life. It wasn't because Moses lived a perfect life. It wasn't because he has kept all of my commandments, because he has done really well, because he's worked really hard. No, because he has loved me. And the Lord looks for us. He, he looks at our heart. Sometimes we try to measure ourselves by our performance. We try to, to think, well, I'm not worthy of that promise because I haven't done this well enough or I haven't really been faithful enough or I haven't prayed enough or I haven't done this. But the Lord looks at you and says, do you love me? Remember Peter? I mean, he denied the Lord. And the Lord gave back to him the key of David. How did he do it? By helping Peter recognise that he already had it. He said, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Do you love me? The fact that Peter loved him was the qualifier for him to do all that he was called to do. Do you love him? Do you love me? Because you have loved me, I have qualified you. Because you have loved me, I will protect you. Because you have loved me, I will answer you when you call to me. That is the key that opens the door. Hallelujah. That is the key to the secret place of the Most High God. That's the place where you can you come in. You come in not because you've done well, not because you've achieved, not because you've been, uh, been able to, to qualify yourself. You are being qualified because the Lord asks you, do you love me? And your heart says, Lord, you know I do. Hallelujah. Because he has loved me. You know, that can give you confidence. When the enemy tries to come and whisper in your ear and say, yeah, yeah no, you can't ask those sort of requests. You're not good enough. You, I know you've hardly prayed at all this week. You didn't even read yesterday. You didn't do this. And you can come back to the Lord. Lift up your eyes and remember I have the key of David and that is my heart has fallen in love with him. I love him. I love him. And that, that, is, that is the key. Hallelujah. We had a, a wedding this week and there was two events. We had a, a little 30-person wedding on Thursday and then an extended family party on Saturday at our house in the backyard. And as, as you may know, you know, at this time of year, there's a lot of rain and thunderstorms happen. And if there'd been thunderstorms, we would have been in a lot of trouble. So I had had some conversations with the Lord about Thursday and Saturday. But I've learned that when I'm asking the Lord for something, I don't put my faith in my prayer. I don't put my faith in, in saying the words or praying the things or even in the declarations. I put my faith in the one I'm looking at when I'm praying. Because when I look at him, peace of God comes and I know that having looked him in the eye and asked him I have what I've asked for because he looks back with this love that says whatever you ask 
in my name, I'll do it. It's the key of David. It's this, because he has loved me. And, and Moses understood it too. I think it's so special that when Jesus was transfigured, Moses got to stand there too. He got to put his actual feet on the promised land, on the ground. I, I'm like, oh, so I love it because he loves me. I'm going to do that. Oh, how lovely. It's the heart of the Father that to, to be loved by us. Back to Exodus 33, hallelujah, skipping all over the place today. I've got my Bible with my ribbons, makes it easier. Thank you, Jesus. Three ribbons, Carsten, three ribbons. Sometimes I need a lot more than three. Praise the Lord. Let's come pick it up at verse 20. It says here, but he said, well, actually, we'll go back to verse 19. How did we, how far did we get? Oh, we'll go back. Sorry, go back. Go back to verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. Now he's in the, he's in the tent having one of his conversations with the Lord. But you yourself have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Moreover, you've said, I've known you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. These are the things the Lord has spoken to Moses. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I've found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I might find favor in your sight. This is the heart of Moses. You see, God knows that when you start to engage in relationship, in face-to-face -face conversation with the Lord, as you begin to taste, you begin to see that he's good and you want more and you want to know him more and you want to know him more. Hallelujah. And this is Moses' heart going, I'm addicted. I need to know more. Show me your ways. Teach me your ways. Teach me. I want to know you. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. He loved his presence more than he loved the promise. For how can it be known that I've found favor in your sight and I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? You see, when you start to fall in love with God, you'll fall in love with his people too. And your prayers won't just be for you and yourself. It'll be for the people of God. God is raising up a new glorious revolution of, and a wave of intercession that's going to come up from the heart of his people who will pray for the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Like Paul would pray, together with all the saints, I pray for all the saints. God is raising up intercessors to pray for the saints, to pray for the church. I'm so excited. There's a, there's a prayer movement growing and it's beautiful. Hallelujah. Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, quotation marks, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. I mean, he goes into the tent and the cloud comes down and he has conversation with God like a man speaks with his friend and he's still there going. I've prayed about that now. 
show me your glory. His heart loves him and he's longing to know him more. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. And that's just going to show you fireworks and signs and wonders. I'm going to give you a revelation of my character. You're going to know, oh, my goodness. You're going to have to pray for supernatural strength to be able to comprehend this love that I have for you. I'm so glad you've asked that. I'm not only going to do that for you. I'm going to let, oh, my, oh, I'm going to give you a revelation of my goodness. (laughs) And we'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you because his name reveals his character. Hallelujah. My goodness and my name is the glory of God. Hallelujah. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. It's really interesting. This is pre-Jesus coming and dying for us. Moses is asking what no man has ever asked before. Show me your glory. And the Lord goes, I'll show you all. I'll let all my goodness pass before you. And I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock because you can't see my face and live because it's going to be too much for you. But as I go past, as I go past, I'm going to just lift off my hand and you'll get to see my back as I go past. But the cleft of the rock is something that we read about again then in Song of Solomon where he says, in the secret place of the stair, in the cleft of the rock, he'll hide you and he wants to hear your voice. The cleft, the cleft of the rock. Who is the rock? Jesus is the rock, the foundation on which we build our lives. And the cle- a cleft is, a, is a, a, an incision, like a... a um, the cleft of the rock. And if you think about Jesus being the rock, his side was pierced and blood and water flowed. They speak of Jesus as the last Adam. And if you remember the story in Genesis about creation, when Adam was put to sleep, God opened up his side. He made a cleft in his side and he took out a rib and he created Adam's bride, Eve. Thinking a lot about brides. And then Jesus, the last Adam, he was put to death. And when he was dead on the cross, his side was split open and blood and water flowed. And now you and I are grafted into him. We are invited into Jesus, into the cleft of the rock. And in the cleft of the rock, you and I are invited to behold his glory. Hallelujah. The magnificent glory of God. They sing the song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. 
Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Saved from wrath and made me pure. Hallelujah. The cleft of his side, the cleft of Jesus, which blood and water flowed. You and I have been brought right into him. And now in the new covenant, we don't just get to see his back. But we, by the power of his Holy Spirit, can behold more than we are even willing to take time to see. John 4, uh, John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now in him, no man can see his face and live. But in him, it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And now because we are in him, you and I are invited to behold with unveiled faces. There's more to be seen and there's more to be asked for.